Hey friends, this is Marlea. I just wanted to let you know that you are about to listen to the full recording of our live show that we did on April 18th as part of the Kaleidoscope Festival at Jacksonville State University. Thank you to everybody that showed up. This is for everybody else and for those of you who loved it and want to listen to it again. So um, here is us live. We apologize. We did have a couple of little sound snafus. So if you hear some weirdness, that's just, you know, the best we could do on a live show format. But I think it turned out pretty good. So enjoy and we will talk to you next week. If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. Live show we've ever done because we do so many of them was here at the Stone Center. Yeah, that so was thank the first you so one. much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we started this side project four and a half years ago, almost five years. <gasps> yes, psych psychic yes, project. It's a psychic project. That's what it is. Definitely, almost five years ago, it was just Marley and I, and then Courtney that summer joined us, <laughs> and then. Um, We've been going ever since, and we've been releasing an episode pretty much every week for the last almost five years, which is like bizarre. How, How have we done it? I yeah, know. It has. So um, since we didn't do our intro, but our normal intro is we research and we tell strange Southern stories. Some are true, some are not. Um, we do this in a very casual, not safe for work, girls' night out, campfire, and cocktail type of manner. Mm-hmm. So y'all know what y'all are in for tonight. <laughs> uh, we hope that you enjoy it. And speaking of cocktails, Courtney, can you tell us what our mocktail is tonight? Well, yes. There are a couple <laughs> of ways you can drink this drink that we're drinking here in our lovely little disco ball is it shining nicely for you is it causing a lot shine here for us so this is a strawberry mint lemonade punch so to make it a mocktail do some fresh lemon juice soak some strawberries in there add some simple syrup with mint and uh, maybe like a sparkling water or club soda but if you want the adult version you can add some limoncello a cup of vodka (laughs) and an entire bottle of champagne and then you'll have the alcoholic version (laughs) nice that we may or may not be drinking right now (laughs) shh what's a secret i work here right (laughs) all right um i would like to introduce to the (gasps) dolls we did bring them today if you follow the podcast we have claudia who was the Victorian doll that my great aunt gave to me, who is legitimately our haunted doll. Actually, she's not no, the haunted. No, it's the baby. It's the baby that's the haunted part. We have video on our website that like caused our phone recording to blitz out on us. So <laughs> it's legit. True science. True she science. She is haunted. Um, we brought her here the last time, and we, I don't we think the theater uh, people appreciated that at all. No, there were a couple <laughs> people that told us that that was not okay. It was not that. okay, and then we did it again. <laughs> um, the second doll is Babette, and she is new to our family. She is actually a handmade doll that was gifted to us by a friend in New York City who follows the podcast. 
Steve Hirsch, his wife made it, and uh, Babette um, is beautiful, and we love her very much, and not haunted yet. No. But we've not given that her we all know the gifts. We're still waiting. Yeah. We're because still waiting. We're still waiting. <laughs> we give her crowns. We're waiting for us. We do. We, <laughs> we give her. Well, actually, Claudia takes the liquor. She stays in my liquor cabinet. And then Babette stays where I keep, like, cash. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to keep them happy, right? say that uh, I may have dropped uh, no. Claudia's Mm-mm. baby on her face mm-hmm. when I was setting her up today. But yes. I... I I well, apologize profusely. Well, at least her is now on you. <laughs> I'm sorry. She's, there's She's a going home with you. It's definitely my fault. <laughs> there is. Oh, my goodness. But anyway, um, we have a little tip jar out front. It's not for money, but if you want to, like, have I a mean, story. I mean, if you, if you want to put money oh, in, absolutely. that's cool. Like, like, if, like, like, yeah. yeah. If you want to give the money, the bet loves money. <laughs> <laughs> right? If you brought, like, little liquor bottles, like Claudia loves. If you just happen to have those. Right, in your purse yeah. or, you know, back pocket or whatever. Um, <laughs> but if you have, like, a story idea or something cool, or if you would like to be on the show and you just want to, like, send us your contact information, or if you uh, just want to say hi and good job, uh or, like, or you suck. I just are you <laughs> suck, no, do and that, we will please. burn those, <laughs> and we'll definitely let the dolls know that you said that. I think I think they would appreciate it if anybody had any like special words for them. Also, if you would like to say nice things to the dolls, you yes, can put those in the they jar would too. appreciate that. They do like nice words, right? <laughs> okay, and. Um, yeah, so you want to talk about the raffle? Yeah, so uh, if when you guys came in, you probably get a program and a ticket. Is that right? Do you guys get a program and a ticket? Does that sound? Program you have to speak because yes, I can't see you. you. can't tell us. Okay, that, awesome. Yeah, we can't see you. I was We're like, trying, I can't see shit yeah. up here. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the ticket is for raffle drawings. We're going to do, well, not raffles. Not raffles. Not raffles. We're in Alabama. Not we don't no, raffle here. Never. It's just a drawing. It's a drawing. A giveaway. Yes. And um, so, <laughs> so at the right time, we will call Aaron Rose, who collected all of those things from you and gave you your programs. And uh, we will do one at intermission and one at the end of the show for a drawing for some free Strange South merch. Yeah. There is a bag. There is a uh, mug. mug. Mm-hmm. And um, we, you may have noticed there was stuff in the lobby. There's a couple shirts. There's some. We don't have like our biggest variety of sizes there, but we have we have quite a few things and we've got some new stickers that we just got. We've got a cash only merch table that we will open up at the very end of the show because we're the people running it and we can't run up there and come back mm-hmm. down here. So, um, we don't have any money. Like we can't like hire people to do this shit. No, no. <laughs> so, so buy our stuff. No <laughs> But, uh, but if you want to do that, hang around at the end of the show. And even if you don't want to buy stuff, hang around at the end of the show. Come out to the lobby and say, hey, oh, we'll yeah, be out absolutely. there. And if you have, you know, other stuff you want to share with us, stories of your own. Yeah. Just, and if you want a picture with the dolls, that'll you, be 50 bucks. You have that. <laughs> and permission. You can't take their pictures without permission. Yeah. We've learned from Robert. They told us their price. Like, <laughs> That's we right. Did we did set that, that price. That, that was theirs. That was told to us. <laughs> We must obey. I think that's it. Is that all our pre-show? I uh, yeah. That's Let's our pre-show. Get to it. All right. So I drew the short straw. Actually, I don't know if it's the short straw. <laughs> it's probably the good straw because this it way is. I get this out of the way really fast, and I'm the first one to go tonight. If you guys, how many of you guys follow this show? How many of you listened before? Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yay. So if you've listened before and you're up to date, you know that uh, a little while back, Patrice and I started doing one story per episode for a very long time we did two stories per episode both of us would tell something 
and we all got very tired. So <laughs> we uh, we started cutting it down and kind of splitting those episodes in half. But for live shows, we're going to continue doing this two right. two story format. So I'm going to start you off, and then Patrice is going to uh, finish off finish us off at the end yeah oh that's yeah that's dirty. really yeah that sounds yeah so <laughs> what they didn't tell you is they dirty. didn't say that i only make a drink every other week though <laughs> i'm still mixing up cocktails and squeezing <sighs> fresh lemon juice every sunday best. morning that's what i do yeah. making simple syrups nobody gave me a sunday off i'm so sorry oh. <laughs> okay. sorry all right I'm going to get into it then. So it. the story that I'm going to tell tonight is about a guy named Jelly Roll Morton. Oh, yeah. Jelly Roll. Do you know? Oh, God. You know this person? I do know this person. <laughs> so we don't story story each other. Fuck. Yes. Huh? It's not your story. This isn't oh. your story, right? Oh, no. Oh, God. Okay. No. Has any of you ever heard of Jelly Roll? Jelly Roll. I can't like enunci enunciate. Has any of you ever heard of Jelly Roll Morton? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Holy fuck. I'm in it now. <laughs> All right. So you could probably school me a little bit because I didn't learn anything about this dude until this week. So okay. you feel free to shout out. But um, so uh, he was born Ferdinand Lamont in 1885, 1890. And he was born in New Orleans to a Creole family on Frenchman Street in Marigny, which is where we Marigny, stayed when we, we visited. Stayed in February. Yeah. Um, wow. His parents didn't have a lot. His dad was a contractor, construction worker. His mom was a maid. And his dad and mom split when he was about three years old. But he loved music. And they had all kinds of instruments in their house. And they encouraged the playing of music. Oh, there's oh, God, new ones. It wouldn't be a show if I didn't just belch all the way through it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, True story. But they didn't it. encourage music as a career. So they said that playing music is basically your way to duck out of work. And they were like, music is not a career, but he wanted it to be. And it, he loved it so much. And he wanted to be, and this is kind of critical, I think, to his personality. He wanted to be the best at it. Mm. And he was that kind of kid who was going to find a way to be the best at it. So he first started by learning guitar. He got guitar lessons when he was about eight years old. And then he found a lady to teach him piano. And it was not very long before he had surpassed his piano teacher entirely and discovered that this was like the water that he swims in. Um, by the time he's 14, he has a job playing jazz piano at a brothel. Yeah. Of course. And in the Storyville district. Yeah. So he would go. Yeah. yeah. So he would go play, uh, play jazz piano in the brothels in Storyville. And from there on, he went to play in nightclubs. Um, he ended up leading bands, playing jazz across the country. He started in the Gulf Coast, then went to California, went to Chicago, went to New York. He started recording in 1923. And um, from 1926 to 30, he played and recorded just tons of original and arranged songs with his group, which was called the Red Hot Peppers. Not nice. chili, peppers, not like chili peppers. Maybe they might have gotten that from the Red Hot Peppers. Um, so there was one thing that everybody knew about Jelly Roll Morton. His reputation preceded him. He was very, very talented and everyone was aware of how talented he was. But at the same time, dude was arrogant as fuck. <laughs> he was always talking about how nobody could hold a candle to him. He wrote songs about himself. He wrote a song called Lord Jelly Roll, talking about how he was the king of everybody and nobody could play the piano like he could play. Lord Jelly Roll. Mm -hmm. He had a diamond set into his front tooth. He was like, he was very nice. impressed with himself. Yes. He When trumpeter, so um, there was a jazz historian named Martin Williams. Look at how pretty Ooh. this is. Oh my God, I wish you guys I could mean, see this. 
you can't this can you, you really can't it's messy. very shiny um so <laughs> when uh, when jazz historian martin williams talked to there was a trumpeter named lee collins and he was hired by jelly roll and when when jelly roll morton met him he said you will be working for the world's best jazz piano player Ooh. not one of the best mm. just the- i am the best and when morton introduced himself to new people he said, I invented jazz. Wow. Oh, wow. Like he was, he, he was, and it wasn't, and he didn't even stop there. He said, there was a quote from one of the books. He said, it was I that was the originator of jazz. Wow. It was in the year of 1902 that I conceived the idea. It was a style which I had that grabbed the world by the throat with a stranglehold. Well, you know, if you don't know jazz or anything in that world, you'd be like, oh, right. No, yeah. you're the guy. Wait, wait, you're, you're, you're amazing. Uh, he was born either in 1885 or 1890. Okay. I mean, like, and he, so he said basically when he was like, what, 15, yeah, like, 15 uh, years was, old, yeah, he created yeah. jazz. That's when I was like doing the math really quick. Which yeah. could, I mean, but I sure. don't know. I mean, he was playing not, brothels at 14. I, I live with the jazz historian, yes. but mm-hmm. I do not know when it started. So. And I actually <laughs> texted you your jazz like, historian. It was really mm-hmm. funny because you told me that you texted my husband about your story and right. I texted your husband about my uh, story. Yeah. It was like this whole big weird underground thing. <laughs> um, Nobody texted me about your story. <laughs> They'll make it without my phone because I'm usually Googling while they're talking. No, like, you can't Google. Now you're just something. Uh, no, no. We need to say to our whims you today. Want, you want to hold Babette? Mm, Babette. No, you don't. I love Babette. I do too, okay. but she needs to stay where she is. Okay. For now. So, we'll um, so he, he, he claimed to be the originator of jazz, but as probably anybody who ever touched jazz would say, I doubt there's any one person who yeah, can be said to be the inventor of jazz. Right. But he definitely was a bridge between ragtime and orchestral jazz. He was, there's nobody argues that he was an important person. He was an important person in the evolution of music. So, um, and he's also recognized as the first person to ever write jazz down. Um, The word jazz? No. (laughs) That's what I was wondering. No, no. So like the music notes? would be so he, ashamed. He actually he wrote he did written composition of jazz. He okay. and he arranged works that had been so just, just kind of learned by rote and yeah. improvised for a long time. Okay, which is weird because I think a lot of people who play jazz are like you don't write. You know, yeah. it's all improvisation. Oh, but yeah. there are well, different because I can't read music. Jazz. And yeah. st- there's still a lot of jazz performers, including my husband, who cannot <laughs> read the music. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, some of his best remembered um, pieces are Black Bottom Stomp, King Porter Stomp, Shoe Shiner's Drag, Dead Man Blues. I read those for people who recognize these things. I, I, I recognize that it's important, but I cool didn't names. Know I like but them. I do know that his compositions and arrangements in jazz were so intelligent and so complex that his skill has been compared to Mozart and mm, Bach. Yeah. So, um, you know, the guy was no joke. I mean, for somebody who's going to be as arrogant as he is, it's, he's one of those people that's just like the total asshole that you're like, why are you so arrogant? And then you hear him do shit. And, and you're, you're like, like okay. fucking damn it. Mm-hmm. Right. So in 1938, yeah, I know, right? In 1938, a guy named Alan Lomax was working at the Library of Congress. And um, he sat down because he, he really, really liked jazz. And he was actually like rebelling against his parents. His parents didn't like jazz. And so he's like, I'm going to go record all these jazz artists. Yeah. So he wanted to record Jelly Roll performing for the Library of Congress. And it was just going to be like an informal interview with music. They sat down at the Music Box Club in D.C. And I think Jelly Roll at the time was a part owner. And this was, again, in 1938. 
Um, it I was. This, I'm sorry. I know that's his name. It just keeps making me laugh. Jelly roll. <laughs> Jelly roll. Oh no, we'll say more about that. Like okay, because <laughs> I keep thinking of a particular song. What oh. song? And it's the Van Morrison song. Me, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Y'all so, know what I'm talking about. Right. Stole me just like Jelly Roll. We'll That's talk, what I went. We'll talk about Jelly Roll. Oh, you will. Okay. Do you know what a Jelly Roll is? A donut. <laughs> a donut. Do you know what a Jelly Roll is? <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of like the pastry that has like the a, jelly in the middle, okay, and you know, okay. like, I'm on school, y'all, and Debbie. Um, so, <laughs> so this interview. No. You're getting me ahead of myself. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, so sorry, this sorry, interview. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Is what? supposed to be short. It ends up being eight hours oh, well, over the about course himself. of multiple meetings. And there were 50, you know, because how records are, there were 52 records in this interview. Oh, wow. And um, and you can actually listen to a lot of them online now. And it really is pretty amazing to listen to him. He'll just be sitting there sipping on whiskey. And you can tell he's sipping on whiskey because every couple minutes he's like, I'll have some good whiskey. <laughs> but um, I he's like, like that. I know. And he's like just piddling. You know, if you've ever known anybody who's really good at an instrument or really, really likes their instrument like you can't set it in front of them and expect them not to touch it so like he's having this conversation sitting at the piano so he's telling stories and shit but he's sitting there playing music the entire time and he's like piddling around on the piano which is pretty cool um while he tells these stories so one of the stories he tells is the time he and his friend jack the bear got stuck in clarksdale mississippi ah in the delta without enough money to leave and jack the bear says we got enough money for a bag of salt and some coca-cola what? And he's like, I suppose we do. So they buy a bag of salt and some Coca-Cola and they pick up some jars off the side of the road and clean them up. And then they mix the salt and Coca-Cola together and pour them in the jars and they go door to door and sell them as a cure for tuberculosis. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and so they make enough money that to get out is, of town. Did it still have cocaine in it then? Was it real? I don't know. Maybe. It may have helped a little bit. <laughs> they got out just before the cops come calling. But, um, most of his stories are about gambling one way or another because he was also a pool shark. So like in the lean years, he would finance his travels by, you know, by he sounds like a hustler. gambling. Definitely. He was a hustler. Mm-hmm. He, and he was a self-professed hustler. Um, but he would also he would talk about how he showed up this pianist in Memphis or Mobile. And then he would talk about how different people who played different genres of music dressed in his time and how this differs from which the could be fascinating to somebody that it's absolutely so cool. doesn't know and doesn't right. have Internet and couldn't like prove him wrong or yeah. anything. So, oh, yeah, say whatever the fuck you wanted to oh, say. Yeah, right? I but it, I mean, when he started getting into the music, though, he would like play little examples of like, this is how ragtime would do it. And this is how we would do it. And this is how blues would do it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was pretty neat to listen to. But there's this one section there's this one section he was a raunchy man so oh, oh this is where my this phone is where comes the jelly in. roll okay. this comes is where my phone it. comes in this is where the jelly roll comes in so um oh Little i should have my I, I have my phone out during a show how crass is this um, really not so uh so he was a raunchy guy you know he grew he grew up playing in a brothel right so he's a raunchy guy he knows all the stuff so does anybody so they told me what jelly roll means y'all know what jelly roll means I mean, 1920 slang. Obviously, I was wrong. Anybody? No, <laughs> you're gonna make them say nobody it. wants to yell the word vagina. Is, ah! is that what it is? <laughs> it's like it's actually an equal oh, opportunity wow. slang word. It could be vagina or penis, whatever, whatever you want it to be. But that jelly roll in the in the 1910s, 1920s, that's what it meant. That's what Van Morrison was thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> new meaning now all and this time so he was he was so crass in some of his earlier years that some of his library of congress recordings couldn't be released until 2005 because they were too dirty <gasps> and when i was what? reading them i blushed a little bit Damn, what? And I, that's me, right you know 
So there was one that he played. Are you about to play this? Yes, there was oh one my. that he played called "Make Me a Pallet on the Floor," and a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people have played the blues. This is a blues song. Making a pallet on the floor. Make me a pallet on the floor. Y'all know what make a pallet means. Well, like, yeah, you make I know what making a pallet means. Grandma's house, and you put like quilts down and shit. But this is so that your husband won't know that you've been in her bed. And a your lot of people have sung this song. That you've been in her bed. Or you don't bed. sleep in her bed. You sleep on the pallet on the floor. Oh. Okay. oh wait in whose bed <laughs> in your woman's bed oh i got you okay <laughs> <laughs> wait, i'm like are you sleeping around did that okay. was so weird <laughs> so okay so a lot of people have done this song and it doesn't sound like it would be a dirty song but nobody does all the lines oh. so there's like 15 verses to the song oh and i Lord. found we're a clip to all 15 no we're not we're sleep. not i found a clip though and i'm gonna see if it'll play can you hear this i said you got the best cunt I ever had. Okay, you heard that then. I said, sweet bitch, baby. You got the best cunt I ever had. I didn't know that word existed then neither. He said, maybe it was because all I got was always bad. But he said... And that was a that was tame, y'all. I mean, that song goes on and on. There is no word that you've heard in your life that your mama didn't want you to say that is not in that song at some point. Oh my God, I loved it. It was so funny. But because it's also, it's just so like da 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 da. And it's just <laughs> who says that? It's so funny. So, but here's oh, Chaucer did say it. That's fair. So, but I, <laughs> I wish she was here. But um, so I'm a little embarrassed to report to all of you who already know Jelly Roll Morton that this was not all this stuff was not originally what brought me to the story. What brought me to the story. I had to learn all this like in a week. I'm really proud of myself. Um, what brought me to it was an article that I read in the Dallas News in which Jerry Gandolfo, who is the owner of the Voodoo Museum in New Orleans, said that Jelly Roll Morton was a zombie. And this makes no sense because we all know that zombies don't play piano <laughs> and zombies don't know Linda Ronstadt. What the fuck? So to figure out this mystery, I decided to go with somebody else whose name you recognize. Do I need to slow down? No, I think our mics are dead. <gasps> Your mics are dead. Are you recording? Should we pause? There. There oh, go. there we go. Ooh, nice. Thank you. Probably because I was too loud. God, okay. again? So, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, exactly. Okay, Jelly so, Roll was a zombie. Jelly Roll is a zombie. Okay. Zombies don't play piano. Zombies don't play piano. They so brains. They could. In order to, in order to solve, I know, right? It would be so messy. In order to solve this mystery, I had to go to another person whose name maybe some of you will recognize, and that is Zora Neale Hurston. Mm-hmm. So Zora Neale Hurston was from Eatonville, Florida, one of the first self-governing black cities in the U.S., yeah. as you know, if you read the inside front cover of Their Eyes Were Their Watching Eyes God. Their Eyes Watching God, one of my favorites. Which, and I was like, and that was required reading for me when I was in high school. And that's what I knew of Zora Neale Hurston. Yeah. But, so I knew her as a writer, but only until we started doing this, th- this show did I realize that she was an anthropologist and a folklorist. Mm. So she spent a lot of the 1920s traveling around the U.S. South, chronicling African-American folklore. And she wrote Their Eyes Were Watching God in uh, 1936 when she was in Haiti. Oh, okay. Studying Haitian culture and religion. 
So this was after immediately after the American occupation of Haiti had ended, which was like 1915 to 1935, I think. And she wanted to learn about Haitian voodoo, which is and was a full religion with rituals and ceremonies. It's not the same as Louisiana voodoo. And we've said this before on the show, but it always bears saying um, even though Louisiana voodoo draws some of its elements from Haiti, they're not the same creature. And um, Zora Neale Hurston said at one point, trying to summarize voodoo, that it was like explaining the planetary theory on a postage stamp. So I'm not going to do that. No, it's not. Um, but while she was in Haiti doing this, she claimed to have met an actual zombie. Oh, what? wow. Zora Neale Hurston. Zora Neale Hurston. Zombie hunter. I didn't know this. I love her even more now. Yeah. So to be clear, though, so the Haitian idea of zombie is different from the American horror. Horror is a hard horror. word. Horror. Horror. Idea horror. of zombie horror. that we know now. Mm-hmm. So like if you think of zombies, if you think of American zombies now, like throw some words. What do you what do you think of? The Walking Undead. Dead. The Walking Dead, Undead. Jordan Romero. <laughs> yes. yes. What was that? Yeah. Romero. Yeah. Okay. So White Zombie, right? Is that? No. Jordan Romero is um, uh, uh, Night Not of the Living, Living Dead. Dead. Not Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Night of the Living Dead. So um, nobody said Last of Us for real. Like, uh, uh, We're all going for like this, the, what? Uh, we have a through line. Just, oh, we have a through line. We have a through line. Okay. Awesome. It just always happens. It always happens. So, um, yeah, the, the idea of the zombie in American horror is like, they're both, the Haitian zombie and the American zombie, they're both the living dead, right? But like, American zombies are like, the emphasis is on the dead. Dead, dead. You know, it's like they're rotting, right? Like American yeah. zombies are rotting. And this is at least in like, modern cultural American zombies. Um, that they're rotting, but they're somehow animated. Right. So the body is dead. In Haiti, zombies are alive but also dead. So the emphasis is different, right? They don't rot. Their body is a living, capable body, but they're blank and soulless and mindless inside. So they can't access the memories. Oh, you're so excited now. They can't access the memories of the full life that they've lived. Um, And so where American zombies are made by, well, modern American zombies are made by viruses and cordyceps, right? But like in old movies and older movies and in White Zombie, like in 1940 something, um, the, a lot of the time it's like racist depictions of voodoo sorcerers and stuff, which, you know, we're not trying to add to that. Haitian zombies are only made by people in Zora Neale Hurston's, you know, studies. Someone says to a zombie sorcerer, a bokor, I want to sacrifice this person to become a zombie. A bokor? Mm-hmm. Oh, against their will? Ooh, it's like kind of putting a hex on them? Yeah. So if you can pay the price, the Bokor puts that person that you've targeted in the cemetery. Mm -hmm. And then, and it could be, you know, there have been studies about this, like either by poisoning or by spirits, depending on what your perspective is, um, depending on the story. And then, so after they're in the vault, the Bokor pulls them back out and revives them with a couple of drops of clear liquid and which may or may not contain Datura. Does anybody listen to the show like all the time? Do you know what Datura is? What is Datura? Uh, Drug. Really, except you're technically conscious. Um, it's also known as um, the zombie drug. <laughs> the zombie, the zombie drug. cucumber or the Jimson weed. Jimson <gasps> weed. <laughs> the zombie <gasps> cucumber, exactly. Oh my god. So, um, but that may Gypsum be it may be a part of what they had originally said. The the book so might like an use. Herbal. 
to so basically yeah. like the idea was they would simulate death the person would go in the vault because there is no embalming and there's no underground burial as you love from our new orleans yes episode. and then right. you would bring them back out and put them in this strange catatonic state and kind of wreck their brain mm-hmm. and they would become basically a, a person who walks around with no will of his own who exists to do the bidding of the person that gave their name as a zombie so or as a sacrifice so the story of the zombie was really in haiti tightly joined with the story of slavery and the idea of slavery because in a nation that's created on the bones of french slave colonies that worked at least half a million african people to their deaths in cane plantations that connection is really really powerful and can't be overstated so one thing zora neale hurston learned while she was in haiti is that there are three reasons people were made into zombies they're wanted as laborers just Mm. as free free you know beast of burden for revenge or as part of a Bamoon ceremony. And Bamoon means give man ceremony. So that's someone who is given as a sacrifice in, encha- in exchange for benefits received from the spirits. And so the give man zombie is a sell your soul to the devil zombie, right. even though in Vodou there is no devil. Um, but that's how we'd understand it in our context. So it's a Robert Johnson yeah. situation, right? right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a crossroads situation and it's not your soul though, that you're selling it's somebody else. You're selling somebody else. Mm-hmm. So in Zora Neale Hurston's book, tell my horse, which she wrote about, um, Haitian zombies. She tells a story of a man who wanted prosperity more than anything. So he goes to the book court to do this bomb moon ceremony and he bargains with the spirit and the spirit tells the man, you have to give me someone that you love. And in eight days, then you bring me the token of the person that you're going to sacrifice as well as some gold. So the man goes away for eight days. He comes back with what he's asked for. And he knows that the person whose name he gives is going to be turned into a zombie as part of the bargain. And then the spirit gives the man a little box. And he says, in this box, there are little beasts. Take this little box and put it in your pocket and take it home and then put it in a bigger box. Every midnight, open the box and let the beasts out. At four o'clock in the morning, they're going to come back and cry to get back in. And then you close them back in the box. Mm. Every eighth day, you put in five hosts, communion wafers, hosts. Oh. Never forget to do this because every time you give them their hosts, immediately after you receive a large sum of money. So that's when your payback comes. This, this is what is they've promised you. Sounding like are you, are you gremlins in the it, I know. Don't feed them after midnight, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but each year, like- each year on the same date that you made the bargain, you have to come back to the spirit, the loa, the spirit, with another man that you wish to sacrifice. So every year since you make this bargain, you have to give someone else as a zombie to the spirit. And there's no getting out. If you don't come- It's kind of like the, was it Papa Legba? Oh yeah, yeah. Papa Legba. And so if you don't come, the third night after the date that you don't show up, the beasts in your box will jump out of the box and they will execute on you the will of the spirit until you are dead for your so failure to So why did they start to, to get someone to be a zombie? Hmm? But they didn't like, why did they begin this process in the first place? The give man ceremony, the ceremony yeah. I just described? Yeah. Because they wanted something. Oh. Like, and this was what's asked player. of them. So this guy whatever. wants to be prosperous. Like, he wants uh, to be rich. Right. Okay. If it was Robert Johnson, he wants to be the an amazing, you know, yes. Yeah. So, okay. you know, this is, this is what he pays back. And this give man zombie is the type of zombie that Jelly Roll Morton was supposed to be, according to Jerry Gandolfo. Well, yeah, Robert Johnson. But it's kind so of a bait and switch, though, yeah. when you get down to it. Because as so there's a book called The Transatlantic Zombie. And the author, Sarah Juliet, Sarah Juliet Lauro, says that while Vodou made the trek overseas to Louisiana from Haiti, zombies didn't make the trip. 
Like Louisiana voodoo never really had zombies until American pop culture started talking about them. Right. So like that kind of living dead just never really made it to America. And so um, even though, you know, so in living dead zombies of the Haitian variety are pretty much absent from Louisiana. So when they call Jelly Roll a zombie, they don't mean that there's like a mindless pianist out there with his mouth hanging open, singing about cocksuckers and cunts. They like, they mean he was like a man without control of his soul. So, you know, let's go back. So when he was 14 years old and playing in brothels, he was living with his grandma. His grandma found out he was playing in brothels. He told her he was working in a factory and he had lied. And she was like, well, get out of my house. You can't stay here. So he moved out and he moved in with his godmother. His godmother was a woman named Laura Hunter, who also went by Eulalie Echo. And the story goes that she was a voodoo priestess and she was a very successful one. And Alex Lomax, who did, or Alan Lomax, who did the Library of Congress recordings, also wrote a book about Jelly Roll Morton called Mr. Jelly Roll. And he said that Eulalie Echo, the godmother, loved Jelly Roll more than anything in the world. And everybody knows that if you're going to make a give man pact, you have to give the one you love the most. So the story goes that Eulalie Echo had put Jelly Roll's name to the spirits as a sacrifice for her success as a priestess. But instead of giving him like you would have in Haiti to a zombie as a zombie, she kept his soul in a jar under her bed. Oh. And there's another story that goes that Jelly Roll gave his own soul over to his godmother for success in jazz music and to help him out any time in his career that his business relationships went sour. And that happened a lot. After starting in the 1930s, he really started going downhill. Um, Because when he did those Library of Congress recordings in 1938, New Orleans jazz was already starting to go out of vogue. So people wanted Louis Armstrong and then people wanted swing music and they didn't want him anymore. Record companies fucked him out of royalties. He never got paid for anybody else doing his music. And um, when he, he basically got sued by a couple of former bandmates and then a business partner screwed him over and when he broke with his business partner, he called him the West Indian. I don't know why. I don't know who it was. He found strange powders all over his office, and he told his friends that the West Indian had put a voodoo curse on him. He said the powders made him feel all blurry, and he just didn't feel like himself, and he was walking around in a stupor. And whenever he resolved to confront the man about the problems he's having, he found he would get face-to-face with him, and he just couldn't even raise his hands. And that sounded pretty zombie-ish to me. Yeah. But Jelly Roll told his um, told people that his godmother had magic and he was convinced that whenever she died, he was also going to die. And according to Jerry Gandolfo, that's what happened. He says in 1941, Eulalie died. And four days later, Jelly Roll died at the age of 56. Now, to be fair, Jelly Roll Morton had been stabbed in a (laughs) nightclub in 1938. He had never really recovered. They didn't take him to the fucking hospital. He never really, like, it took him forever to get his wounds treated. And so he had respiratory problems from right. then on. But, um, but you know, and he had been ill and in the hospital for a little while. But that doesn't necessarily count out anything. But James Gandalfo really says it's all about the position of his soul. Because souls in jars have to be fed. And if Eulalie died, then that soul just wasted away. So it's kind of a sad story, but it's not exactly the end because the appreciation of Jelly Roll Morton's talent lived on 
and he became the subject of multiple books. He was part of a 19, he's the subject of a 1992 Broadway musical called Jelly's Last Jam. He won a Tony for Gregory Hines. Um, <laughs> he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1998. And in okay. 2000s, um, the resurgence of popularity from those Library of Congress um, recordings came out. So I think Jelly Roll himself would probably be happy to know that zombie or not, he ended up with a pretty cool legacy. So nice. that's yes, jelly. my story. Woo! Yeah. Good job. <laughs> well, if you listen to the show, you know that by now we really have to pee. <laughs> and if you do too, we're going to take a 10 to 15 minute break and we will be back here shortly for my story. For your story. And which a drawing. Has a drawing. And a drawing. Yes. yes, we'll do a drawing. Do you want more Strange South every week? We can help. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can join our Facebook fan group, Fans of the Strange South Podcast, to keep the chat going with our whole creepy community. Do you have a story idea for us or a story of your own to share? Email us at stories at thestrangesouth.com. Plus, if you join our Patreon, you not only help support the podcast, you get an exclusive bonus episode for every show and a discount on merch. You can find links to all of these things on our website, thestrangesouth.com, along with photos, links, and show notes from every episode, Strange South t-shirts, mugs, and other goodies. See you there. Yeah, the back of the But one. that is a big favorite. The back is, of the back of the is delicious. It is delicious. Go home and make it for yourself. Mm -hmm. It's almost blackberry season. The bramble. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very southern. Mm-hmm. Bramble. Love it. Bramble. In the bramble. In the brambles. <laughs> Courtney does not love it. You can tell her she's like, I love it. <laughs> that was the lemon juice that I just drank. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. You all ready? Yes. Yeah. Second ready. story here. Story two. So, Marleya always does like a fantastic job yes. of like oh, giving you. historical, like lovely stories and i am here y'all to bring you junk <laughs> so y'all just hang on it's gonna be like we're stuck in line at the piggly wiggly oh shit and we pick up a national inquirer like you do and we're reading it cover to cover so welcome to my story bad boy this is a long line, right? We're long read it line. It's got hot. It. You know, Willa May at the front has got like the <laughs> oscillating fan. Like if you've been to Piggly Wiggly in the South, if you're like Meemaw, you know, you know. There's barefoot people gotten grocery store oh, feet. Grocery store feet. Oh, <laughs> in front of you. Yeah, absolutely. So actually, I'm not going to start in the South. Oh. As much as we like to think that we are our own island of crazy, <laughs> I'm just going to let y'all know, just a little secret here, that crazy shit happens everywhere. <laughs> um, so, yes. do we have any Last of Us fans, oh, right? Like the game? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or the series. If you know, if you've listened to it, you know, I'm a big zombie fan. I love the game, played the game. I love the series. So good. But one of the things that the series brought to us was the backstory about how, how everybody became zombies. 
which didn't really happen. It was kind of alluded to in the game. The game is beautiful. If you're not a gamer, like you need to start, you need to be a gamer and just play that, <laughs> just be a gamer. you know, play, I have to say, play that movie, play that game because <laughs> it is groundbreaking and it's beautiful and it's, it's all the words. It's, it's all the words. But anyway, the second episode of The Last of Us, uh, they had the, uh, uh, professor of um was it mycology yeah Yeah. who was like the fungus doctor kind Mm -hmm. of given a backstory is like why everybody became zombies and basically the cordyceps um came from or the cordyceps infection if you didn't know like if you don't watch the series is what made everybody turn into zombies and it started in indonesia in a like a flower company Mm -hmm. and so um this caused the zombies and our one of our protagonists, uh, Joel and his daughter, uh, like the first episode made it pretty clear that they were like doing keto or some fucking shit like that. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> like they're not eating. They are not eating bread. And no this carbs. is the reason yeah. they didn't become zombies. Right. Um, so it does turn out that there is some truth. into this legend that they are this backstory that they did for the last of us they did their surface level research like i do Um, (laughs) and um it makes me also feel like dr atkins like funded this apocalypse (laughs) because it's like if you eat the bread that's tainted you become a zombie (gasps) and then if you're a zombie you eat nothing but meat <laughs> there you go, Keto. I've like started my own conspiracy, right? I've got it figured out. I've got it figured out. Like I said, there is some truth to this flower fungus. No, um, going on, and the fungus that I'm talking about, it you know doesn't cause you to like eat brains or meat or whatever or flesh, but it does cause hallucinations. It can cause gangrene and all sorts of painful, debilitating symptoms. What? So, green. What I'm talking about is the, I'm going to mispronounce this, y'all. It's the (laughs) Claviceptus purpurea. Sounds right. I think that's it. Okay. Yeah, we're going to go with that. Right. So, um, anyway, it loves to hang out in cereal grains, especially rye. When people eat this, they experience, (laughs) you like rye? I think it's mainly rye that's the culprit here. Raw whiskey. I don't know what it is to whiskey. I'm pretty sure the whiskey. Oh, I've heard sure that. Thing, yeah. yeah. People get, I, I've, not, I've heard about this. Okay. No, uh, so, um, wow, but anyway, like if research. you eat this grain, you experience the joys of what's called um, ergotism. What? I know. It's a word, right? <laughs> it's the joys. But also known as St. Anthony's Fire, which Actually, wait, so, I know St. Elmo's fire. I was like, this that's is a movie. St. Anthony. <laughs> and, and I was looking this up because I was like, who is St. Anthony and what does he do and why does he get this honor here? <laughs> um, but St. Anthony is actually, there's three diseases that attributed to St. Anthony. And it really is he like, if you've like got, if you're itching and burning, then they call it St. Anthony's fire. <laughs> <laughs> so like herpes is on the list. How did he do to God? <laughs> well, he is the patron saint of grave diggers. What? Oh. 
<laughs> which is kind of like crazy, right? And um, oh my god, who would like want to pray? Yeah, who would want to like pray to the patron saint of grave diggers? That just seems like a lost cause, right there. Uh, yeah, but it fits in perfectly with the whole zombie um, eating the grain, having hallucinations, and the hallucinations that's called by the um, uh, ergot disease is supposed to be like on par with like LSD. So, like, you're having some, like, really trippy, like, wow. crazy stuff. Yeah, is there some Salem witch trial things? Yeah, okay. I, that's what I heard. I'm just sorry. Don't want to jump ahead me. again. <laughs> well, okay. I'm I don't done. even have Google here. I'm just <laughs> using my brain. Like, I'm done. I'm done. So, ergotism um, <laughs> is thought to be actually uh, the cause of the earliest recorded viral dance craze. Oh, oh my God! Mobs of the 1600s. So we're talking about, about the footloose yes. disease, right? So, in July of 1518, a woman Lost. named Frau Trophe stepped onto the streets of Strasbourg and began dancing. <laughs> and she seemed unstoppable. Uh, she kept dancing and dancing until she needed like a Gatorade break <laughs> and then she collapsed <laughs> and she slept a little bit and she got right back up and she started dancing <laughs> again oh and within a week she had 30 backup dancers <laughs> <laughs> so by the end of that movie there were actually 400 people that were dancing and it became such like a craze yeah Yeah, that that the um the government there like built stages (laughs) and they banned dancing no they said no it was (laughs) they were like if you're going to dance then let's like in our house, like, if you're gonna have sex, just have it in the house. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, and and they did that until people started dying. Oh, because shit. you know dehydration and then dancing. just like dancing too much. And I was looking up, I was like, well, how much really can you dance until like you're you're done, right? <laughs> um. So I looked up you in Googled Guinness. That? I googled that. <laughs> as I do all the things here. So um, in the Guinness World Book of Records, um. The longest dance party actually only lasted for 55 hours. And it started with 40 people and it ended up with 31 surviving. Surviving? So of of that 55 hours. Okay. Just so not this frawl trophy who started the whole dance line party here. I'm going to like. 1518. She started that um, in July and it ended in September. Shut up. So it was months. It was like her job. (laughs) <laughs> she like she took it seriously it was her job and so contemporaries explained this like dancing plague as they called it they're like well it's a demonic possession sure. clearly clearly Obviously. it's overheated blood which i had to look that up because that sounds like very Fever. like antiquated <laughs> like you know leeches will solve it yeah exactly and the only thing that i could really like find in my 30 seconds of googling <laughs> Is that overheated blood means that you exerted yourself and now you're flush because all the blood has come to the surface of your okay. skin. So you kind of turn a little red. So that's what it means to be overheated. Hmm. That's um, irrelevant. Also, they attributed in Italy the dancing plague to something called tyrannicism. <laughs> Anybody can take a guess what that means? Tiny arms? Sorry. (laughs) No. It means that you have been bit by a tarantula. Tarantula And now you're dancing. (laughs) A dancing spider. I told you. 
National Enquirer right now. <laughs> ridiculous. I love it. All right. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, um, so 20th century folk thought that maybe they consumed some bread that had some of this um, fungus on it, rye bread, and it was contaminated and they got the fungal disease, ergot, um, which is known to, you know, produce convulsions. So oh. we really don't know. It's like we're kind of like stabbing in the dark at all of this. American sociologist Robert Bartholomew um, said that maybe the dancers were supporters of like a heretical sect and that they were trying to be good now and attract divine favor. I, so Wow. So <laughs> maybe it's kind of like speaking in tongue, but with your body. I don't know. Just I to think seen about. that in some churches. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, the most widely accepted theory is that of American medical historian John Waller, who laid out in several papers um, his reason for uh, the dancing plague was it was a form of psychogenetic disorder. Really? And so, um, welcome to Patrice's. I'm going to explain some shit she has no business talking about (laughs) here. But here we are. I'm going to talk about mass psychogenetic disorder disease. Oh my God, I'm in love with this. (laughs) Otherwise known as mass hysteria. Yes. Uh, Okay. So interesting enough, as as Courtney already mentioned, um, It's Spoilers. said that maybe ergotism, the fungus bread, uh, aka the Atkins Revenge, <laughs> Atkins could revenge. Um, actually be a contributing factor to the Salem Switch trial. No, so toxicologists um, now know that ergot poisoning has led to, you know, it leads to convulsions and spasms and hallucinations. Like I said, the crawling sensation, like the mm-hmm. Saint Elmo's fire on your skin, right? So, <laughs> um, and erratic behavior. It mostly affects children and young people, five to twenty-four. Oh. And so um, I don't think they've proven it, but this is, again, speculation. And in the Salem's witch trial, um, which was kind of a mass hysteria thing happening because of, of all the twitching and supposed demonic Satan witchcraftery that's happening. <laughs> Walking with the devil and yeah, that Yeah, 200 people were accused of practicing witchcraft, mm-hmm. the devil's magic, and 200, not 200, <laughs> 20 (laughs) were executed um because you know that's what we do right we don't understand it like some twitchy people we're just like "Mm, kill it stop dancing kill it stop dancing stop doing all the things right also during the time you're gonna love this also during the time of the the medieval footloose (laughs) there were some young females that were forced into a convent against their will because that's what you did if family couldn't afford you you went Mm. to the convent and this was in france and they had to unwillingly take vows of chastity poverty there was like a highly regimented lifestyle that they had to conform to um they took away your iphone and (laughs) you had strict discipline and in an environment like that you know, anybody would rebel. Anybody mm-hmm. that is not with that program yeah, is like going to find ways to rebel, yeah. right? Um, so one day, a nun in a large French French convent uh, started meowing. 
Um, so as soon as she started meowing, <laughs> then eventually all the other nuns thought that, that was pretty cool. That's and they started meowing too. Okay. So if you think about it, and if y'all are from this era, I'm talking about like the Henrietta Pussycat of <gasps> uh, Mr. Rogers. Oh, meow, 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 Okay, meow, not the 1500s meow, meow, era meow, meow, thing. Meow, but this is what I think. This oh, okay. is like immediately <laughs> popped into my brain. It was like meow, 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 meow. I mean, meow, meow, meow. You know, there are cat nuns in Doctor Who too. Yes, they are cat nuns. There are cat nuns. Oh my gosh. Anyway, well, the strange or maybe not so strange thing about it is that it became a very structured ritual. Meowing. Meowing. Yeah. So they would wake up and meow to the world. <laughs> they would like go for their morning meow. Did they meow to They Jesus? meowed before breakfast and then they would all like get together and meow for several hours at the same time every prayers, day. They meowed for Jesus. They did. They meowed for Jesus. <laughs> but apparently the nunnery Love it. was part of an um, HOA. <laughs> and and the like, no people in the neighborhood were not amused. Get this Actually, they're kind of going like, here. what the fuck's going on? <laughs> like, what's, what's going on? And so the locals asked the ever so reasonable and subtle French authorities... <laughs> Sweet. To help with the situation of the meowing nuns. <laughs> no. And so the soldiers came in, threatened violence, and the meowing stopped. Aww. But I, I just kind of think that at the end, like when they turned away and they like walking out the door, somebody went, meow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> so other mass hysteria around the world that caught my eye, most importantly, in my five minutes of research on Google, <laughs> um, was, and this is one of the things that I heard, and then I had to Google it. And while I was Googling it, y'all, we Google some strange shit yeah. on the show, okay? Mm-hmm. And, sometimes, and sometimes when we Google stuff, I seriously have to go like, okay, I'm probably, I know I'm somebody's list. <laughs> and I have to watching like, me now. <laughs> to make sure that like, I true. can view, view what I'm, I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I, I, know, I know I'm somebody's list. But the next mass hysteria that I'll talk about is the puppy pregnancy in rural India. What, what the, the hell? hell? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's everything that you think. <laughs> puppy pregnancy so, in rural India. The origins. Puppy pregnancy syndrome is it's a syndrome that happens very specifically in this one place in the world. It's a cultural bound syndrome um, where the people believe they're pregnant with puppies after being bitten by a dog. Oh, okay. So the symptoms that affect the individuals, um, they experience like abdominal pain, bloating, and they can hear the puppies barking inside of them. Oh my I was going to say panting, running in circles and chasing their tail. These okay. Okay. I know. I know. Right. <laughs> so the belief is um, the only way to remove the puppies oh, is no. through a traditional healer or exorcist that just happens to be available um, <laughs> for a price. And so the syndrome though is thought to be like the results of this like really strong cultural belief and mainly anxiety about rabies. 
Oh, yeah. man. So you, you're getting yeah. bit by something. Rabies is like a 100% fatal disease if you're not yeah, if cured. Yeah, you get treated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, I think that this is what's happening. And honestly, with mass hysteria, the underlying cause of mass hysteria is anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's like social or cultural or both anxiety. Um, but anyway, so that is happening. And then I have a couple more examples like the mad gasser. <laughs> of Illinois that happened in the 40s, like right during World War II. Like, is this women... about farting? <laughs> That's what I was wondering. I, yeah. No, it, it, it's gas smelly mass. though, but it's the gas mask <laughs> thing. And it kind of yeah, plays in. from World War II. Yeah. yeah. It, it's like everybody was scared that they're, you know, being gassed. And then mm. all of a sudden they smell something. And they, they think this and like then, gas or whatever. And then they're yeah. like, start panicking. I'm mm. like, oh God, I'm poisoned. What does it feel like to be poisoned? And then it like, oh, I smell it too. And it just becomes like mass hysteria. Mm-hmm. as we're talking about. Um, and then there's also, and I'm not going to go into this much because I want to get to kind of my point. Um, uh, the uh, Tanganyika laughing epidemic, where it's basically the dance, the laughing, but the dancing, but the laughing part. So it's like the same as the dancing, same, but there's laughing. But there's laughing, yes. Ah. And again, it, these all these things happen because there's something that's going on in that environment. Like, I think one of them is, uh, is like, uh, it's Tanzania, like one, their independence. And so everything, the future was uncertain. And so one person started laughing and it just caught on and then they couldn't stop. And it wasn't like, ha ha funny. It was like stress funny. Uh, and they didn't like know how to relieve that other than laughing kind of deal. Ooh. Yeah. It, it's rough. Um, but really since we're, you know, here at the Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> we want to talk about a little bit about the satanic panic of the 80s Yay! Yeah. which was another of the mass hysteria we're talking dungeons and dragons equals satan yep um we're talking the heavy metal mm-hmm. of the time when we're talking heavy metal we're talking like kiss <laughs> <laughs> right Beth, I hear you calling. <laughs> like that heavy metal of That's the time. Really wow. Like Satan. All up in that. All about it. All about. And and I remember this time. I remember like, you know, because I didn't go to one church. I went to kind of like everybody's church with them. And I remember hearing like, oh, God, you know, Procter and Gamble. Like the head oh, of yeah. Procter and Gamble is a Satanist, and oh, we shouldn't use any any one. of that. And so I oh, so all kinds of weird shit in there. Vividly <laughs> remember looking at everything. my Pert shampoo. Yeah, Y'all like, remember Pert? Can you, Pert? Yeah, can you yeah. use it? It was at PNG. Yeah, it was it was PNG. So Pert shampoo as a child, and wondering, okay, how does this work? Am I going to so become a Satan? How does Satan now? enter so, my head through my first <laughs> right? Do I wash Satan in and then does he rinse right out? <laughs> no, this is what I thought. You know, on the, I, I, seriously, because like process. on the back of the PNG, like the little logos, it was like oh a moon God. and yeah, a star. Yeah. You know? Um, so, and that's Definitely always been, satanic. and they got such a bad press that they had to take the moon and the star out. Oh, there's a whole conspiracy about it. Y'all should go online and like do your own like five second research on this because <laughs> really it's amazing. It's in there. But just so you know, they brought the moon back. Oh. And if you look, it's very subtle, but like the new PNG logo has like the moon in the background in the circle. Mm. 
They like, survived. <laughs> Suck it, Christians. <laughs> <laughs> like, they forgot about it by now, right? Oh, just wait. It's oh. coming back, I'm sure. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so that's all fun and games. There's also the mass hysteria that happened in 2001 around New Delhi's Monkey Man. Okay. So in New Delhi, there was like rolling blackouts, mm-hmm. and apparently there's a strange monkey-like creature that appeared at night and attacked people. Eyewitness accounts were often inconsistent, but tended to describe a creature as four foot tall, covered in thick black hair, with a metal helmet and metal claws and little glowing metal uh metal eyes red eyes <laughs> metal eye beads and three buttons on the shirt and if you look this up in wikipedia it's the most adorable creature uh, <laughs> somebody three it. buttons three Which buttons they like three but- it's attacking One, me two, but it's three. the cutest way to and it's die. got buttons right mm-hmm. um i yeah that one was like a really um it was really strange um when you look at it, it seriously looks like something from Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. <gasps> Emmett Otter. Uh, specifically the River Bottom Nightmare Band. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's, it's cute. Snake was the lead man. But, you know, yeah. they had like the unease with the rolling blackouts. There was something going on that caused this mass panic. But New Delhi, the South, will see your monkey man and <gasps> raise you. A Crichton leprechaun. What? Oh, yes. Montgomery. Ah. Mobile. Mobile, I mean, sorry. Yeah, oh, Alabama. Lord, y'all know what this is about. <laughs> Alabama's got our leprechauns. And well, I'm not really tree. mass hysteria I gone just on here. This recently. <laughs> this St. Patrick's. It comes up every St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> and it's, it's not from like a toxic substance or anything mm. or really too much extreme anxiety. But it's really. It comes from like totally getting like pawned by this whole neighborhood, <laughs> right? Everybody just seems so happy. So, about if it. you don't know anything about this leprechaun, um, in 2006, on St. near St. Patrick's Day, a local NBC affiliate reported on someone saying that they saw a leprechaun in a tree, um, oh in this Crichton neighborhood in Mobile, Alabama. And obviously, it was a slow news day, and yeah, it was like, really, right. So the news went out there and they posted this to YouTube on St. Patrick's Day. The sketch, I can't. <laughs> uh, the sketch the is sketch. like, is, is crazy. <laughs> but they posted this and this is in 2006. <laughs> and y'all, YouTube came about 2005. So it was like a year after YouTube started. Really? This is like oh. one of the first viral videos. <laughs> and it is pure comedic gold Uh, like gold it is so good y'all it's really the first case of a neighborhood trolling the world (laughs) it is the best stuff it's like um as of 2018 the video has like over 28 million views (laughs) i'm sure it does oh my god i'm like a million of those everything every (laughs) st patrick's it is they go out in so good and it is so good so Here's finally, I would um, of it. <laughs> I'd like to bring it down a little bit. Sorry, and uh, touch on a bit more serious form of mass hysteria. Oh, of course, I'm talking about the great clown pen. pen oh, stop! Of 2016. Oh, yeah. The one <gasps> there. I know which one. Yeah, 2016. All right. They're so everywhere. I know. They're I know. Everybody pause for a second. 
Um, so much like <laughs> the 1938 War of the Worlds, which is, you, you don't know anything about that. It was a marketing stunt that went wrong. So Orson Welles directed this piece from H.G. Uh, Wells's War of the Worlds, and it starts out, and y'all, this is like 1938. This is a year before World War II. And so on Halloween, he reads the first part of this book, which is basically a fake news bulletin that describes a Martian invasion of New New Orleans, of New Jersey. <laughs> um, but it's kind of like, you know, emergency broadcasting here. If they would run that and they'd be like, this is not an, you know, like, this, this is, is not, this a, is a, not test. a test. Yeah. Right. This, this is, is something. I mean, it, it was the same thing. It came on the radio. It was like, this is what's going on. And it was a live play. And they did like all the things like we're being invaded by Martians and, and it freaked the shit out of people. Um, and so this is kind of the same level of, of freaking people out was the great clown panic of 2016. 2016. So August 1st, 2016 in gray, gray in green Bay, Wisconsin, a clown was seen on multiple like video recordings standing on the corner with black balloons. Nope. And just like for waving at people, like just Wait, really for no reason. Life. It turns out to be it was a marketing stunt for a local horror short film. Um, and I don't know if the short film was called Gags or the clown was called Gags. But anyway, no, Gags was idea. the name that was associated with this clown. Nope. And it caused a slight panic, but because of social media, it soon spread. And so then multiple school children in Greenville, South Carolina, mm -hmm. reported seeing a group of scary clowns oh, whispering right. and making strange noises in the edge of the local woods. No clowns were found. <laughs> it was just like satanic panic. Um, it was an idea that, that just grew. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It was an idea. More scared of clowns than Satan. Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. Much more. <laughs> Much more, right? Um, so these non-exist clowns were trying to like lure children into the woods to do unspeakable things to them. So this clown hoax spread rapidly throughout the Carolinas. Again, um, everybody that reported was like doing it anonymous. Um, but it like it spread throughout the nation, making Georgia. The reports of clowns menacing children at a bus stop. Mm -hmm. And uh, chasing the bus. Yeah. That was one of the ones, too. Did you right? say mincing or menacing? Menacing. Mincing. Mincing children mincing at a bus stop. And a little garlic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and so upon investigation, nothing <laughs> came upon it. Um, and then by mid-October 2016, the clown sightings and supposed attacks had been reported in nearly all U.S. states, mm. nine out of 13 provinces and territories in Canada, and, <gasps> eight, Canada? and 18 other countries. Oh, that's, how fast, that's how fast it spread. Um, the power of clowns. It, it <laughs> spread like the zombie apocalypse, <laughs> except no zombies, Holy just clowns. clowns. Right? That's even worse. What year was the remake of It? Mm, okay. There you go. Also viral marketing. <laughs> yeah. Also viral marketing. That's like perfect time to put out a movie, yes. right? So um, 
during you know, like so we're talking about October 2016. So there was a ban in some places on clown costumes for the entire month of October. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also people took advantage of this hysteria there were clown bomb threats which i don't really know what that looks like these were at schools so clown bombs (laughs) like does the bomb do you take it more or less seriously does the clown (laughs) deliver the bomb or is the clown the bomb (laughs) like how does does that work i don't know so um also a group of tennessee men disguised as clowns robbed them at this bank Oh, well, that's angel. And Tales also, and I remember, I remember getting this text or something from our schools here in Jacksonville. Say, our Jacksonville saying, schools like, look, it. there's no clowns. Yes, there are no clowns. There are no clowns. Your children are safe. And and we're like, okay, we weren't worried happen. about that. Of all the things to be worried I'm about, always worried about that. <laughs> You're always worried about clowns. Always. But I bring up Alabama because you know, Bama. So we, uh, we actually had nine <laughs> clown-related arrests. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and this, there's so much way. going on in Bama and clowns that I do like an extra episode on this. Oh, oh really? Yeah. So um, the nine arrests were actually a result of kids and adults either pranking or making terrorist clown threats. <laughs> a woman in Rainbow City called 911 um, and was terrified after seeing a mound dressed like a clown in Walmart parking lot. As you should be. As yeah. you should be. Marlena calls 911 every time she's seen the clown. <laughs> every time. Doesn't matter if it's Halloween. I saw a man with she's a crossbow and didn't call 911, but show me a clown. <laughs> that's, well, that's what you do when you're in the South because you're like, okay. You're we, hunting. That's fine. Yeah. yeah like... <laughs> Could clown, be clown there's no out. excuse for you in kentucky a 20 year old man was arrested in full clown regalia and charged oh with God. wearing a mask in public space which was an arrestable offense wow. okay that's stupid and this is pre-pandemic I don't oh, know, okay really yes. stupid. they could do that now in mississippi <laughs> there was a report and there's a video of this of a clown walking around with the machete oh shit so that's like one step a little too far mm-hmm. um or two that's that's someone just being a dumbass it was a credible report the police gave chase but they never saw the clown again mm-hmm. of course florida <laughs> was course. not phased oh, they're like Psh. because let me tell you about Florida. <laughs> and we talked about this in our after talk because I couldn't find this in our show. But in Florida, um, we have like a section for people who uh, support the show and give us money every month to help produce it. Um, it's on Patreon. And we did an after talk about this spooky clown because there is a clown in Florida that everybody like in Naples area knows about calls wrinkles oh yeah yeah, he had his own movie he has his own movie there's a documentary on netflix came out in like 2019 and for a hundred dollars or more you can hire wrinkles to scare the shit out of your children (laughs) or your husband not joking around he is not joking around no jokes from this clown so it's like it's dramatic we watched we watched the documentary and and talked about it in the after talk so if little bobby was being a bully at school wrinkles would hide in your closet like legitly (laughs) 
and that was like the appropriate response. and there was Thank like you. video of wrinkles like hiding in children's oh, like shit. that their parents like under hired. their beds all night yeah 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 and they would like crawl out from under their bed i would kill <laughs> a damn clown i don't I care know, if right? i was like eight years old or not i <laughs> would kill said clown but, uh, something would happen and i would break um, but this <laughs> is going on. And no and, gauges already under there. Where everybody knows that. Oh, no. <laughs> so, you know, and, and he doesn't just do house calls. Like, you can call him up on the phone. I'm sure during the pandemic, you could Skype him or whatever. <laughs> but it's like, you know, say if, if Timmy's not going to eat his peas, you're like, well, I'm going to get wrinkles on the phone. And you can tell him that you're not eating your peas. And he's going to tell you that he will be in your closet tonight. <laughs> like, it's like some serious, like, messed up trauma. Right? But all year long, anytime. Anytime. Like, yeah. He's and the watching. dude, yeah, the, the clown is watching. so funny. Like, you listen to him talk. And he's, like, kind of amazed because he's making, like, hand over fist and oh, dollars. He fucking lives in a van man and like, he lives he in a van down by the river <laughs> down by the river down by the river oh my gosh oh but my back God. to everybody else but florida school districts were starting to beef up security during this time 2016 oh. the clown related threats to schools were like Shit. getting out of hand you know, um there were no evil clowns coming to get to your children um, no one was coming to sacrifice babies to Satan, uh, but people want to panic about weird shit, not um, legit shit and not the shit they should be panicking right. about. Mm-hmm. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, unsurprisingly, the U.S. has a history of clown panic attacks. <laughs> uh, they're always part of some larger social unease. And you know, that's pretty much the story of mass hysteria. There's always if it's not like you're consuming like fungus bread it's something else going on um that has like a whole population like a little bit stir crazy and unsure and and then like one thing happens and they like grab hold of it and that is the thing um that's going on why Um, why do we still have clowns man (laughs) why do we have them at all but you know atlas obscura which is one of my favorite websites uh, has a handy real time map of clown sightings. If you care, <laughs> really? to, if you Places care to look to at avoid. it, <laughs> Places to avoid. Um, ben Radford, a folklore and urban legends researcher, uh, has a couple of books called The Martians Have Landed A History of Media Driven Panics and Hoaxes, which is about mass social panics and bad clowns, which came out a year before the whole clown panic thing in 2016 Mm. and it focuses on the history of evil clowns in popular culture and it contextualizes bad clowns with a larger moral panic Mm. we're talking about like the satanic panic Mm -hmm. and like the 90s pokemon panic do y'all know about this pokemon is from the devil no well maybe But the 90s Pokemon panic is the reason that you get those warning signs when there's flashes on a television show. Wait, the strobe light? The strobe strobe light. Because there was an episode that came out that caused people that are hypersensitive to that or have epilepsy to go either into a seizure or to feel sick to their stomach because of that episode of watching that episode. And so everybody freaked out and almost got Pokemon canceled. 
in the 90s. It's weird that we specified Pokemon in that when everybody was doing like haunted houses in their front yards yeah. with strobe lights strobe and strobe lights were very right. cool. I, I don't know. I, I don't I know. I can see how it could trigger it. I mean, I'm not but saying- it it became a thing and it became like this huge like blaming the triggers thing and it almost you know, like you know but now we have warning and now we science now, now we have science <laughs> and, and science explains it and so now we know so it's not so much of a deal um but pokemon is not coming for your children right <laughs> and also surprisingly enough the great clown pandemic of 2016 no pandemic. actual clown attacks <gasps> right however there were clown vigilantes does that make sense? That doesn't make sense. So it's well, it's like vigilantes against the clowns, not yeah, like people yeah, they dressed went to kill up the as clowns. clowns. Oh, like, so people attacked clowns. They went to kill the clowns. Right. They wanted to like, and I remember this Arrested because clowns. whatever. Like I was on one of the Facebook groups in Jacksonville or whatever, and we were, somebody was talking about the clowns that somebody supposedly saw or whatever <laughs> going on, and I was like, okay, okay, and they were like, oh. Don't worry, a bunch of teenagers are going to go after them and chase them off. And I was like, well, this can't oh, This will not I end so well. This better. will not end well. <laughs> and other things that did not end well is that an 11-year-old in Georgia brought a knife to school oh, to protect shit. herself against clowns. Aww. Like I said, high school students around the nation were like out looking for the clowns to get rid of them. And unfortunately, there was one clown-related death. And it was a boy in Pennsylvania who was walking around the neighborhood in a mask, um, pulled up his mask, had a confrontation with somebody that did not appreciate him do it. And that person stabbed the boy and he died. Oh, oh shit. No. So, so he had on a, cl- a clown mask? Yeah, he, he had like, he, he was on top. Yeah, so he wasn't wearing him it, But it was somebody, HOA, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, exactly. Right. So why would you wear a clown mask? There's the question. During a clown panic. So Forever. there's there's several there's several answers. Maybe somebody's craving attention. So scary clown going for that one. Pack a powerful punch. Um, you know, for those who go unnoticed in daily life. Thrill seekers get their adrenaline fix from scaring others. Um, maybe the need just to hop on the latest trend in 2016. Clown panic was like sweeping through social media. Everybody was tweeting about it. Everybody was TikTok. They weren't TikToking yet, were they? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody was social media, whatever about it. Um, and you know, it was an emotional outlet for people who wanted kind of release, you know. And it's kind of like the like when you Jeez, go to Carnival like, or Mardi Gras like, when you mask up. <laughs> just <and> mask. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and you just want to like have fun, right? But it's also some people masked up because they um, they felt like you know they didn't have a lack of control, and frightening people as a clown gave them this kind of fear fueled dominance over so it's a wide range of why you would do it some people will be like you know haha funny funny you're gonna chase people this like you do all right so i um would like to close with a quote from the band insane clown posse oh my god i thought you were gonna say insane <laughs> uh who released a statement while all this was going on i bet they did and so they said there are no killer clowns it's just jackasses being jackasses. <laughs> <laughs> and thank y'all. Yeah. That's my story. Uh, 
All right. Malia. So we have some people to thank. We have some people to thank. I yes. also left my notes backstage. Oh, oh no. no. However, I think I might remember them. So uh, we have a lot of people to thank. We have, uh, let's see, Aaron Rose. Thank you. Uh, yes. Alex, thank you. Nikki, thank you for running this yes. show. We really appreciate your work here tonight. We thank appreciate you. JD yeah. for all of your help with setup and sound. Right. We appreciate Randy for all Randy. of the Yes. The, the king of our fan club. We appreciate yes. Seth for inviting us to Thank do this. Thank you, Seth. Yes. And Charissa for helping us with our wonderful programs that we printed tonight from the JSU print shop. Right. And also just JSU in general for inviting us to, you know, be here and for hosting us as part of the Kaleidoscope and Festival for the And thank you to y'all for sharing Yes, yeah, and thank you guys for us. coming. We really appreciate it. Rusty and Renee for our green room. Yes, we had a great show. show. Absolutely. And uh, we, so there are a couple other things happening with Kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope this week this is a festival of the arts that goes in JSU throughout the month. And I think on Thursday, there's a BFA ex, uh, exhibition, right. a senior art exhibition that happens at the um, yeah, JSU Art Gallery. At the JSU Art Gallery. So go hit that. Um, beginning on Friday, there's a jazz festival here at JSU yes. that you can go hit. I think it's from Friday through Saturday. There are a whole bunch of different um, presentations and performances that are going to happen there. And then there's the Student Film Festival Student here Film. at Stone Center on Saturday. Make sure Yay! you come back to that on April 22nd. So, yes, thank you. And you can check out a whole lineup of things at some very long website at jsu.edu. There's some, a link on the front page. There's a link. Just, just go look at the link. Search for the, for the full, uh, If you can spell list. it, because I cannot spell it correctly. I'm just going to spell it. We're just going to throw that out yeah. there. Oh, but uh, yeah, go ahead and uh, make sure you hit all that other stuff. There's a, you know, this is something that doesn't always happen around here. So make sure you really get good. the, you know, take the opportunity right now to go see all this stuff. It's really cool. Right. And we're going to uh, do, we're going to do one more drawing and then we are going to sell t-shirts and stickers in the lobby afterwards. And if you want to say hello to us, come talk to us. If you want to say hello to the dolls hello. and, leave and, leave a note. and leave a note, name the baby. Name the baby. Name the baby. Yes. Okay. So who wins the mug? Four six one five zero seven. Did so. Oh yeah. Who was it? Is that we Chad? Box fan Chad. I knew I knew that voice, Yay, even though I cannot see you at all. Thank you guys so much for coming out. We certainly appreciate it. We'll see you up in the lobby. Thank you.